Good evening, you are listening to Three Moves Ahead, and I'm your host, Rob Zachney. Join me tonight, we welcome Three Moves Ahead founder, Troy Goodfellow. Good evening. And we're also joined by our producer, Michael Hermes. Hello. So tonight we return to the winter of wargaming to tackle Panther Games Command Ops 2, uh, which was formerly known as the Airborne Assault series. Uh, and we'll get into the slightly complicated history of the series and what that means for playing the games today. Uh, but first, we should probably discuss what exactly these games are. Uh, Michael, I think you were the person who sort of put this bug in our ear last fall, I think during one of our Patreon uh, backer Q&As. And That's right. it caught me off, off guard a little bit because, uh, again, you know how I stereotype you uh, as as our as our you know, deep arcane, uh, you know, life sim guy. Uh, <laughs> and I don't typically think of like really, you know, niche war games as being of particular interest to you. Uh, but between this, but between this and Simino, uh, it certainly starts to seem like you, the, you, you found your lane of, of weird ass war games. Uh, so what is command ops two and, and why did it speak to you? Right, so Command Ops 2 is an operational level war game set in World War II. Um, it's an interesting take on an operational level game in that instead of being turn-based and sort of hex-based, like let's say the operational Art of War or other similar games, it's a uh, pausable real-time game uh, where you are issuing orders in a very realistic sense. So if you're operating at the, let's say, division level, you can you know, go down to the brigade level and issue orders to say, here's a move command, here is an attack command or defend or bombard. And sort of the thrust of what makes this game unique is the order delay and the order execution. So you can give your orders at the very highest level. Um, you can pull up the order of battle and look at the highest part of the tree and give an order there. But for those orders to execute will take a long time, both in real time and in game time. But it follows a realistic delay for how long your orders get till there's people actually moving. And before the units do anything, they have to form up. Uh, they have to have their form up points and, and get you know, situated. And then they'll go off and complete their tasks. And the way they complete their tasks is by interpreting your orders and sort of doing it as you will. You'll give them a command, like, you know, given an option, let's say they're on the other side of a circle, you give them a command to attack something on the other side of the circle, they're going to make a decision on how to get there. So between the individual stats of the leaders of those, you know, armed forces and the delays, you end up with a pretty interesting and um, not very often seen portrayal of uh, the effects of the chain of command and order on a battlefield. So I th does that sum up, I think, the uh, sort of the unique parts of this game? Yeah, uh, absolutely. Uh, I think one thing to mention here as well is that um, if you're sort of envisioning how this all plays out, uh, imagine a very official-looking, like, topographical map. And yeah, oh, yeah, that's the best, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty much the aesthetic, right, is a digital version of, like, a a working uh a working map not for um you know not for casual use not to just like sort of describe an impression of countryside but really just strips strips terrain down to items of tactical interest uh river crossings and then some relief lines uh but presentation is pretty spartan but in a, in a way i think 
generally serves the game well. Uh, there's a few places where I think the presentation lets it down, uh, but we'll get to that in a bit. Um, Troy, so, you know, this, is, this, this reminded me a lot of um, one of your sort of interests as a strategy game critic, uh, you know, the, the virtual Viceroy uh, problem. And this sort of seems like the operational uh, level equivalent of the virtual Viceroy game. Well, the game that it reminds me the most of, I think, as far as the command system, is something we've talked, a game we've talked about in the podcast before, and that's the Flashpoint Campaigns, which is a Cold War game, uh, once again, operational level, and where you have to get your orders processed, and how quickly your orders get processed and sorted depends on a bunch of other variables. How complicated the order is, are you the Russians or the Ameri or the or, or NATO? Uh, NATO can get its orders through faster because the Russians are a lot more doctrinaire. Uh, but there are, but and there's also distance and there's jamming. And that's kind of the cold work equivalent of what we have going on here in command ops. Uh, this is I don't see this as much as a virtual viceroy thing because you're not, you know, choosing to um, allocate decisions to somebody else. You have generals and commanders, and they kind of will execute their orders as best as they can, depending on how you break them up. Um, you can give orders to an entire division, or you can give orders to a specific uh, brigade in that division, and then that brigade will go off and it'll do its own thing. It will consider itself separate until you reattach it to the division. Uh, so you have to keep track of this sort of thing. There's a lot of keeping track of which units are which. which is, we'll talk about the interface and the notifications, which are really the biggest problem with this game, I think. Um, and this is, but just like a Flashpoint campaigns, this is a game, and I mentioned this in the Cimano podcast a couple of weeks ago, this is a game that is about patience. It is about setting out your plan, pressing play on the clock, and you don't want to mess with your plan too soon. It might look like it's going wrong, but you don't know. They're fighting back. This isn't like close combat where you will see your soldiers die and you'll see, you know, bullets and little puffs of smoke and... There's there's some tension. Is is this battle working? Did they get there too soon? Um, have, is this a trap? Is there so many traps you end up walking into if you don't do your proper if you don't scout properly? Um, this is a game that is about setting a course of action and waiting to see some of it play out before you start messing around because you will not learn this game at all. It's impossible to learn it if you start mucking around with your orders every time things start to fail a little bit. You can only learn how command ops works. It's the same with airborne assault. If you let things play out, if you trust your generals, if you trust that you gave sensible commands, if you trust things to work out in a reasonable way, um, eventually things will go kablooey and you'll need to step in. And knowing when that time is, is the difficult part of command ops. That's where the real command procedure takes place. When you have to decide, now I intervene. Now I make the decision that this plan has changed or my objective has changed or we've gotten this objective. Now we have to sweep forward to the next one. Um, the scenarios here range from, you know, 70 units on the map to 400 units on the map. <laughs> they can get really, really big. So there's a lot, and the bigger scenarios are really about 
setting your priorities and there's a lot of map study there's a lot you'll spend a lot of your time if you're playing this as badly as i am you'll spend a lot of time with things paused and staring at the map and looking at the objectives and checking your supply routes um i once advanced too quickly and got you know three divisions completely trapped they were surrounded the bridge was blown behind them by some nasty nazis and they ended up getting having they ended up getting having to surrender the four divisions just completely gone so you have the supplies they were Jesus. pounded and way to go yeah i was that All was right, wait, genius wait, where there. did you lose four entire divisions now i'm just really curious one of the arnhem okay yeah that is those are some tough maps we'll get to that in a I, minute, I, so. I i gotta stop playing market garden man that's just a bad scene <laughs> uh but we wanted one of the items there like I, I i got across one bridge um and then i ended up getting hit from behind i couldn't secure the bridge and the division that did cross ended up getting completely cut off and those units maybe maybe it wasn't four divisions that sounds too big probably more like two probably and but they were just completely they were shelled they were out of supply they were completely disorganized because i advanced too quickly and i didn't clear uh all the avenues of approach um and that was a small scenario the big ones can get really really fun and that's when there's a whole bunch of command levels you have to deal with can I talk about the map for a minute? Because I think yeah. when you said, you know, what do I like about or what draws me to this game? And I really think it's it's a lot of that has to do with the map. Um, it's 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 it doesn't have discrete points. I mean, obviously, it has to be broken down at some point for the computer level, but it's not like hexes. It's not squares. It's not there's a grid overlay, but it's a free flowing map with uh, that's very well rendered. Right. Like you said, Rob, I think it's a Spartan representation of a map, but the map gives you so much to look at and plan with. And this game really rewards having a very good planning session down to um, delaying orders or giving people a schedule so that they get there at the same time. But the maps are really beautiful and interesting. And in the expansions I had, I would go up and pull up a real map on like Google Maps to uh, compare them. And they overlay just so well. And the importance of terrain and judging the terrain and using the extremely useful line of sight tools. They've got two, two line of sight tools that are just incredible where they can overlay in a color map what the visibility is, which of course changes with the time of day. But it's down to, I can move these guys around these copes of trees for reduced visibility. Um, I can move them around this hill and then have them cross the ridge. And that means they'll have a little bit more visibility before they see the, the enemy. And it, it, it's just a wonderful system of, of how instead of, you know, the terrain is, well, this is uh, I'm moving from plains to light hills. So I have minus one to my movement. Um, it, it's, it's much more granular than that. And I think that the maps, they're not gorgeous hand-painted maps, but they're very well-designed functional maps that have a lot of care put into how detailed they are. Yeah, and the, um, yeah, the line-of-sight tools are so incredibly useful. The um, sort of line-of-sight heat map uh, that you can click on a position and sort of see the degrees of like clear vision uh, from that location and the line of sight tool. What I, what I, I learned the importance of that one pretty quickly because, um, it sort of helped me realize how badly I was reading the map, uh, yeah. as a matter of fact, because like you don't like you can, you, you pull up your one kilometer grid, uh, overlay on the map. And that gives you a sense of the scale, 
but not really because you're still like units are still mostly fighting like infantry units are still mostly fighting against other infantry units that are like directly to their front you get a sense of like okay once enemy once units make contact that's when combat really begins uh but it's easy to forget that like from a hilltop into an observed valley yeah uh you can start taking fire from you know multiple kilometers out uh and you will start taking fire uh from those positions and so even though there are things that look like there's a wide distance between them and a lot of like intervening terrain uh things that are used to other war games you might think like okay like just because of all the crap that's between point a and point b this is probably a safe move uh this game quickly disabuses you of that notion uh yeah. you know a battery of anti-tank guns and uh artillery you know oh, the artillery. on the hillside yeah they will just rain hell down on units in the exposed valley um and you start really it the other thing that's cool there is that also starts to really teach you uh in addition to your main like objectives that you get on the map like you know t- secure this crossroads secure this bridge crossing um you start to realize why certain terrain features not for reasons of victory points, but just because they are so critical to shielding your forces from enemy line of sight and artillery become the sites of these pitched battles, right? Where like you're starting to, there's, there's a nuisance battery up on a hill. So you send a battalion of um, armored infantry to go, you know, drive it off. And the next thing you know, it's turning into a pitched battle and you're sending more troops up that hill. And suddenly that is the battle. Uh, that's a cool thing that can happen uh, in this game, and it's all accomplished organically without the magic hill phenomenon. Yeah, I mean that that's the map is a it is it is a battle map. I mean, you're given your objectives. There are objectives that have victory points you have to meet, but they're sensible objectives. They aren't, you know, this hill is worth fifty points. You better keep that hill. It's no, you've got to take this town. You've got to take this exit. You have to seize three of these bridges. They are legitimate strategic points that you would need to take in a battle but as you said you know the real battle is for those objectives it's not going to be it's not like oh they're coming up an obje- objective that's where the enemy is going to be the enemy could set up well in front of the objective or around it or they could let you approach it and then come and ambush you the battles are very they develop in a very interesting way um i don't have a good feel for how good the ai is oh man i am so up in the weeds on that let's let's dig into that i'm not quite sure how i don't know if the ai is a good ai or not and i'm not sure how i would know if it's a good ai because the battles do develop in a very you know in a fluid way um you don't know unless you have you know orders of battle from uh, World War II memorized, I don't necessarily know if they're using their anti-tank guns properly or not, because I don't know how many they have. They might only have a couple, so they have to use them early or use them late. Um, I don't know if they use their airstrikes properly. I have no idea of judging it. Um, and I kind of don't mind that. I mean, it's this is not a game I'm ever going to play enough to be really good at. I, I've, I've won some scenarios, but you know, they haven't been blowouts. Um, they've been, you know, hard-fought battles with, you know, surrenders and... But that's good. ...annihilations on both sides. That's interesting. That's, that's, that's dynamic. That's, I mean, that's, I, I think that's a good sign of anything. 
Well, I mean, I don't. I have one of the big ones because the big ones don't you know, take forever, but the small ones take forever too. Uh, but I mean, do, do either of you have a sense for? Is the AI playing it smart? Is there a way? How would we know this? How do we test this? Well, and the other thing is this: um, one way you're often used to sort of trying to judge AI is you get a sense of where they are, and then you see what they do. But in this game, you have imperfect information. Yeah. And you will see, like, you will see last known positions recorded overnight. And what you rapidly learn is that just because enemy troops were observed in a position at the end of the day's fighting the night before, and you can operate 24-7, uh, but, you know, you will learn that, like, there are lulls that build up in, in combat. Um, but just because you have a bunch of positions scouted and marked on a map does not mean those positions are correct or will be correct in the morning. Um, and like the sheer number of times that like I have fanned out for like an all out assault on a position from the day before and it's going to be, you know, a really bold uh, master stroke and my lead elements just roll over abandoned positions because uh, the enemy relocated overnight. Uh, so you, you often don't even know where the like you can't you don't have good enough information about the AI's dispositions to then judge how they're playing their hand. Uh, but there's, so the thing I have observed, uh, and it, it got me again and again until I started playing a lot more conservatively and I still haven't really, um, haven't completely solved the problem. This is an AI that will filter in behind your lead elements and cut your supply lines and crossroads like routinely. Like if you like if you have a line of advance and you do not secure your flanks, you will eventually find that somewhere along the road between your reinforcements and your supplies and your frontline units, uh, enemy units have sort of popped up in the middle there and are starting to make themselves, you know, huge pains in the ass basically uh, at convenient choke points, which is really cool like this is good ai stuff this is something that reminds me of like course and pocket right and ai's ability to sort of uh find a lateral counterstroke uh to to sort of get around your main strength and, and hit you where you're vulnerable however that same phenomenon could be explained by some of the weird shit i've seen my ai commanders do uh where if you give a general order um to go attack a position sometimes you will see a brigade commander for instance send some of his regiments out on really weird flank marches and really weird like looping uh approaches to the objective you set when really what you just wanted was to you know fan out take a line of advance move two kilometers up the road and suddenly you're seeing guys backtracking along a winding rural road and taking a railroad bridge. Really weird stuff. Um, and I don't know if that's a good sign, but that same sort of thing could explain some of what I've seen the AI do. And it should be pointed out, you know, they'll, the, when you give an order to some sort of superior, its subordinates will get issued uh, very detailed orders that you can go in and manually fiddle with, whether they're in like an echelon formation or how are they approaching? Are they approaching cautiously? How fast are they moving? How aggressive are they going to be with using ammo? 
Exactly. Yeah. You can get very detailed, or you can just say, you figure it out, I trust your judgment. Um, yeah, I mean, the, the level of detail is kind of like setting your managerial strategies in the park baseball. I mean, this is, yeah. like, this is like fantasy general manager, where you say, okay, you know, you said all the variables in certain situations and certain approaches for certain units. And it's like, that is a level of detail that is you know, mind-boggling that someone would try to do all that. But sometimes I find it useful, you know? I, I mean, if I have the units that are out of supply and I can find which units are out of supply, I might want them conserving ammo. Yeah, and, and uh, that's a thing. Um, finding units that are out of supply, finding units that don't have orders, finding units sometimes. The, the UI um, can tell you lots of things, but it's not always intuitive how to get that type of information. Yeah, can we talk a bit about, a bit about the notification system? Because I'm really that's really my biggest problem with the game. I want to get it out of the way that because I I really do like uh, this game quite a bit. But the notification system is garbage. Uh, it'll tell you you you'll get notifications up top that units are out of supply, units are reorganizing, units are taking fire, and it'll just tell you the number, the name and number of the unit. My memory is not that great for recognizing which unit is which. If you tell me Panzer Corps blah 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 is out of supply, I should be able to click on that name and then you take me to it, but it's just a text. It's not uh, well, so there is a notifications dialogue that became in like yeah. that that top of the, that top line thing is I started to treat mostly as like a stock ticker on the business yeah. channel or something. Uh, but you can have all these, di and this is the thing, they put a lot of their interface behind optional dialogue panes and such. Yes. And this is, uh, yeah. I and this, lived this is and died by that notifications dialogue pane where you can uh, like double click on a notification and it will, I think, snap to and highlight the unit involved it will at least snap the map to if where you, the report's if you, coming if from if you single click on it it'll highlight it in the order of battle window and then also select it on your screen and then if you are in the game and you double click it it'll pan over to that unit to select it uh but the other element of this is it's a weird thing again i don't know um so the thing i struggled with is the notification window gave me a lot of information, but not always a good sense of what it meant or what I was supposed to do. Uh, for instance, like a unit is requesting an emergency supply. Uh, they've been involved in high, hard fighting. They need more supplies. Most of the time, uh, someone took care of that problem. I assume it was their, uh, you know, local headquarters, uh, you know, that the emergency supply was delivered. Uh, there were a few times um, when units weren't cut off, but for some reason weren't getting supplies through. And I had trouble, like, I didn't ever really get to a point where I had a feeling that I knew when supply was going to be tricky and when it wasn't. Uh, the other thing I had a hard time getting a sense of um, was exactly what kind of losses I was eating. Um, like, and this is well there there again there's there's there is the strength display yeah which is this every there's all these optional displays I mean, yeah there's a notification window there's the supply overlay there's the strength of your unit display which is different and, from combat power which is different from combat power 
But there's gotta be a way to put more of these together on one map. The uh, There's a force window, which kind of has the overview of whatever unit you have selected, and that's the one I found the most useful. It has little, little bars for, like, fatigue, um, equipment, morale, and then personnel is typically how I saw losses because that's the bar that starts shrinking as you're losing people, right? So you kind of have this little graph over time as to how far they go down. And it's a really fun window because if you go to their equipment, you can watch, you know, the individual shells tick down as they and, use well, up their ammunition. And that's what I was starting and, to rely uh, on a lot was um, yeah. like particularly for mechanized units. I actually wanted yeah. to know like what I like how I was assessing how an attack was going is like how many tanks were on this thing's paper strength when this attack started and how many tanks are currently running right now? Uh, that, but, but at the same time, like I always felt a little bit like, um, I don't know. I just, I guess maybe I'm spoiled. I just want that information to be streamlined a little bit, but at the same time, like the, this game runs on granular detail. It wasn't that hard to find. It just was hard to intuit or easily read for me. The, the, the unit, the, you know, the unit description window of, with all those bars, that's great. And that's helpful. And I love it. But if I have like 400 units to check, yep. it's not especially helpful to have to go into each one. But yeah, we usually would be checking for, let's say I have 20 units on a front and I want to see where, where the, all I can see in the map is they're all taking fire. Who's taking the heaviest damage. I don't want to have to check 20 of those. Yeah. Um, no matter how interesting and fascinating and helpful and realistic they are, I should be able to get a report. I just call up a command report of some kind. Maybe there is one, and I just haven't found it. Uh, that's describing, you know, the pace of battles. I should be able to get something like that. You think every night when people soldiers are going to sleep, I know who's alive and who's dead. Well, uh, a commander wouldn't, though. Like, I mean, you, you would, but you would, you would be getting this information. Kind of the, like again, like kind of what this game is trying. I think one, I think to a degree, it's an effect they've chosen to have, which is yeah. that you have an impression of how things are going, and you can, if you can, like drill down into like strength reports for one unit, uh, you can start to get detailed information. But in terms of, uh, you know, losses, casualties, uh, equipment being rotated offline what you're going to get is generally like an impression, but not like a live updating uh, tracker. You know, it would be really wild is if in a game like this, you know, you have the imperfect information about the enemy troops, but you know, what if there were conditions under which you lose communication with your own troops? And then all of a sudden this brigade pops up further away and under heavy fire because they had to respond quickly to something and didn't have time to communicate back. Um, that's just conjecture, but that'd be pretty. There's a version of this game that plays a lot more with imperfect information that I would be super into, right? Yeah. Where like, yep. uh, in like even your unit's current positions are uncertain based on how good their reporting is. Yeah, right. Like make like an if, expanding radius, like telling me where they could be over time. That tells me like I think they should be here, or they could be as far as here. Right, but I think like already this game seems like it was um, like by default they don't put order delay in. Like it's it, they're clearly their big concern was. What do you mean they don't put the order in by default? Uh, if you go to default scenario settings, uh, like if you just start it up, uh, you order delay is instantaneous. 
Um, you like I had to crank up the dial to put in order delay. Are are you sure you weren't thinking of the order is delayed for the first like th- there's no order delay for like the first two hours of real time, um, but then it gradually catches up. Oh, um, interesting. So that was yeah. just starting scenario stuff. Yeah. So when you start the scenario, I think the default is to have order delay at realistic, and when you issue orders. Like just as the scenario is fresh, like before you unpaused, they're kind of giving you, um, I, I forget what the exact duration is, but uh, the delay starts at zero and then it starts ticking up to 100. And that's to simulate the fact that you didn't start in a vacuum. You didn't start with everybody right. fresh on the orders. Something happened ahead of time. So it does over time get more uh, delay. And you can watch that value tick up in the oh, command. Yeah, the, there's a window. Yeah. There's a command thing in the force window um just a minor note it's just it's one of those interesting things i found because i thought the same thing i said i thought i put order delay on this but these guys are snapping right to it but it gradually rolls it in which again a nice design decision that those those types of decisions are all over this game which i really appreciate yeah my suspicion is if they'd instituted a ton of like imperfect information and delayed information and delayed orders at a certain point you're probably going to start alienating the shit out of a lot of players. Yeah. Uh, just because, like, it never feels like my troops are where they're supposed to be. It never feels like they're doing what I'm telling them to do. Uh, and yet I'd be, I'd be here uh, for that version of the game where, um, for sure, if you were to make a game uh, based on the system for, like, uh, pre-20th century warfare, for sure you would need imperfect information. Like, the sheer number of times, like, friendlies uh manage to freak each other out and cause massive delays as two friendly columns like shake out in the line of battle uh to go at each other and then like oh uh that that enemy formation is friendly um that's something you definitely want uh in a game like this i would love a world war one version um, or oh the messenger got shot so they never got the change in orders that you gave them so they're still going but already uh but there already is enough like the it's not just that your units take a long time uh to to do stuff like that's not the only thing that's happening here like one of the things you get a sense for is um there's a procedure that units will follow in order before as as you execute simple orders so it's not just that and you alluded to it earlier michael uh it's not just that you give an attack order and they go from wherever they are, which is point A, and go immediately attack point B, uh, they will, in general, like a subordinate HQ, will create a form-up point uh, where the units sort of gather and shake out into the uh, assault formation, and then they will advance on the objective. Uh, And then once it's taken, they'll start to, like, take defensive positions, and you'll see uh, units will start reorganizing and maybe resting. Uh, and if you try to, it's sort of like uh, when you got a delicate recipe in the oven uh, sometimes. You just have to let the door, you just have to keep the oven door shut yep. uh, for a while and let things go, right? Like, but knowing knowing when is the moment to short circuit that process, right? Like, for instance, when you have reinforcements rushing to the battle area and you have an attack beginning to falter and the reinforcements really 
are not particularly put together. They're all strung out across the road. Uh, a couple units have sort of lost contact with uh, the headquarters element. And if you give them like, you know, an hour or two to get it all together, uh, it'll be all systems green and they can do a textbook assault. But maybe you don't have those two hours, at which point you just say like, screw the reorganization. Those other two units that got strung out behind the road, the hell with them, we'll deal with them later. Everyone needs to join this attack right now. Um, sometimes that is absolutely the right call. Sometimes that provides the extra little punch, the little oomph to get a faltering attack back, back on the rails. But at other times, it's how you end up with what should have been a three regiment like assault line hitting all at once, turning into piecemeal units getting fed into a meat grinder uh, and then basically being wasted for an entire you know day as they lick their wounds. Uh, it's a really interesting set of trade-offs, and it's it's also just cool to see different units under your command going through this process uh, at different points in the battle. Uh, you can sort of see units uh, starting to reconsolidate themselves after after combat. Uh, it's a nifty thing. You've you've described it very well, and I want to get your guys' thoughts on this because you're you're well more versed in in a lot of these games than I am, but. Playing a lot of these games, you feel sort of like this omniscient narrator as far as what's going on. Not necessarily like a CO, but rather just I'm I'm the all-seeing eye on this battlefield and I will tell things what to happen. This is probably one of the first war games I've played where I've actually felt, you know, kind of in the role of a commanding officer or had the feeling of that the level of simulation of having to make those more interesting decisions than just precisely saying this is what's going to happen. Have you guys seen that in many other games, or at least a few? No, I mean, this has been an issue for war games for a while. I mean, my friend, uh, I mentioned this article a couple of times, my friend Matt Kirschenbaum wrote an article on, you know, war games, who, who is the player in the war game? I mean, in most war games, the player is doing the job of Napoleon, but he's not Napoleon, because you can see the whole map, and Napoleon is also this, 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 this unit on the board. So you're not quite that. Uh, so there's this disembodied sense to who the war gamer actually is. Um, that's kind of philosophical, but that's the way it kind of stands. Um, and, you know, the more you know, the less realistic a game is. But that's okay, because realism isn't always what we're shooting for. Realism is not always the most important thing. However, for the role-playing perspective, it is games like this and uh, like... Um, Flashpoint campaigns and a few others that do um, put the player in the situation where they have to deal with the fact that their eyes might be lying to them, that you know your your information may not be perfect, that not only do you not know what's coming, you don't know how your units are going to perform their tasks. You order them to do something, but you don't know how that company commander is going to set that up. That's entirely up to him uh, to take that task. You've given him the general order, but beyond that, it's out of your hands unless you want to, you know, dig right deep into the muck of it and say, no, no, in this situation, you have to butt. Um, never butt. But so there's, there is this, this is the kind of game that does go heavy in the simulationist side. This is... Because like Cimano is heavy on the simulation. Um, I mean, we start. We talk a lot about the map. The map is simulation-y. It is 
it looks like a big sand map, only the, with the units moving along it. There are no no divisions. You have just the topographical details, and that's it. Um, so yeah, I, I, this is. This, there are a few games like this, but I mean, this I think is kind of the best. I think at it at capturing that. Um, I mean, Congress of the Aegean was one of the airborne assault games. It was one of my favorite um, games of that era. That one of the one of the early Panther games, and it really it was hard. I mean, and the the, the Crete scenarios uh, in Command Ops Two are also really really hard. Uh, you know, just drop a bunch of Germans, and good luck, guys. I mean, it's Market Garden, but on the German side, uh, where your paratroopers. They'll just land anywhere and get shot up. Um, this does have that command, that command doubt, that command uncertainty, um, and I, I like uncertainty in my war games. I would like a little more. Uh, there's it's, the game isn't very clear. I want it to be a little more clear than it is, but I like how it uses uncertainty. We have to draw that line. There's there's a lot of information that is in the game that I can't find easily. And that's because the, the, the game is not very clear. The uncertainty is in the design. And I think that's valuable. Yeah, I think um, a lot of war games have tried to model the importance of cohesion, the importance of having units rested and ready, like dealing with the ideas of readiness. Uh, and if a unit move, once once a unit moves, it begins to uh, erode a little bit. This this idea that like war is inherently an entropic process, uh, and then combat accelerates that uh, enormously. And traditionally, the way that's like handled uh, is just to abstract a lot of it away, right? So like you get the operational art of war model, uh, which is that a unit moves its full movement in a turn uh, over broken terrain. Uh, at the end of that turn, it's a little bit disordered. Uh, if it engages in some significant combat, maybe it gets flanked at one point, it survives the encounter, but like it is even more disorganized and will be fighting at a penalty unless you give it a couple turns uh, out of the line to sort of get its act back together. But all of this is just like, it, it almost functions as a very like abstracted series of cooldowns. Um, here, this really brings to life this idea that... Um, There was this, um, like, something that I think Montgomery was often uh, castigated for was sometimes he would literally say he needed to tidy up a battlefield uh, from, from time to time. Um, and this definitely makes clear, like, why armies sometimes get paralyzed even though the path to their objective is open, right? Uh, it, it, it sort of makes clear that just because, you know, a, a unit is in the right place on a map uh, to make a move, that move may not be possible or advisable for a host of reasons uh, that won't be clear to future historians, but, you know, in the moment uh, are, are, pretty, are pretty serious. Um, I think this game does a great job of making all that feel incredibly real. Uh, the, you know, little things like where do you rest your units, right? Like if you have a an infantry division uh, that's been engaged in hard fighting, but they're the only ones in the right position, um, at what point do you just set them to rest um, and, and trust that things will take care of themselves versus sort of maintain a, a hyperactive defense? Um, 
Yeah, like there are a few games that that bring this to life uh, as well, and sometimes like even in uh, really frustrating uh, ways. Have you have you guys ever witnessed like a subordinate commander uh, just completely screw the pooch on you? No, I, I've seen a couple things that have made me raise my eyebrows, but not anything egregious as far as you know, completely falling on their face. I, 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 I just blame my sub-commanders for everything, so yeah, I mean, it's always their fault. <laughs> no, so I had a specific, um, I think it was, uh, so it was in one of the uh, bold scenarios. Um, I had an armor division that needed to sort of uh, keep racing north to sort of cut the, uh, you know, cut the balls, basically, cut the German salient. Uh, and we'd spent an entire day uh, just hacking our way through these German positions uh, south of St. Vith. Um, and we'd done it. Like a lot of infantry uh, and mechanized infantry had paid a pretty steep price to sort of blast uh, this road open and secure the forest at the edge of it. And so I'm like, all right, armored division, objective north, go, go, go. And uh, I go, I continue, I go, I go, and I start like queuing up other orders for other units, and I check back in a few minutes, uh, and like in game, probably hours have passed. Um, I shouldn't have had the had the speed up uh, as I did, but I check that armor division; they're all set to rest. Like, like the the attack orders there, I can see it, uh, but. The commander in charge has issued all the individual units a rest order, and they are just sleeping. Uh, which I went in and I overrode, like immediately, like got like issued them a new order, gave them like you know clear, like everyone moves immediately with all haste, uh, you know, ignore losses, but like this needs to happen. Right, that you know, right now we we all need to get going and mount up. Uh, but it was like a rare moment where, like, oh, uh, I just had a commander uh, basically take an order in hand and then decide that his unit still needed to rest up and and ready up before he would execute it. Um, that was a that was a rare moment for me, and I'm still not convinced I hadn't done something wrong somewhere in there. But I know I hadn't issued a delay order. Uh, I know, like, maybe it was because it was night. I don't know. In in that sense, yes, I have had that happen, but I chalked it up to I must have done something incorrectly or there was some piece of missing information that I didn't... There was, there was something I must have missed that I, I didn't give the correct order and they just sort of stayed camped out where they were. I was like, you... You really should be do like even with delay, you should be doing something, but they just refused to kind of do anything. Um, maybe it's... maybe. Yeah, and I just interpreted that as pilot error, but it very well could be, uh, you know, commander error. And I, I don't know how to determine which it is. Yeah, I mean, it could it could definitely be pilot error, uh, but I've given enough attack order. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, no, I, know I did the mean. same it's... thing a million times and it always worked. This was a time where, like, it was an armoring unit that had done a little bit of fighting in the day. I was asking them to make a pretty aggressive... Uh, advance at like 2 30 in the morning um and it just felt to me like the commander on the scene 
just sort of backburnered it until he had enough daylight to move his units out of position uh, and and get them on the road, which maybe was the right call. Maybe that was sensible. Uh, was that, what but, were the weather conditions like? Uh, clear cold. Oh, okay. Yeah, they should be able to go then. Yeah, I mean, the the only thing I'm thinking of is I know they'd been in combat earlier that day. I didn't check their um, force status that closely, so it is possible that even though they hadn't been engaged very long, they were pretty banged up. Um, but yeah, it was a, uh, but either way, come the next day, um, that opening that we'd sort of achieved at like eight or nine at night um, was gone, right? The German reinforcements were in our path uh, and we were sort of grinding it out again the next day uh, where for a couple hours there really looked like I kind of could have blitzed right through. You know, before you had mentioned the the kind of not questionable history, but what's the interesting story behind the the history of this game? Because it seems like there's been different versions or different oh, distributions, or who... yeah, it's mostly that. Um, so they were so these games all originally came out as part of the Airborne Assault series, uh, and there was. Um, Oh God, it was like Panthers in the Fog, Conquest of the Aegean, Highway to the Reich. Uh, and I think they were all released with uh, Slytherine Matrix, uh, if, if memory serves. Um, and then that agreement ended, and the game stopped being offered through uh, Matrix, and it sort of went dark for a little bit. And then not too long after, uh, it all came back out under the name Command Ops 2, and the old games, for all intents and purposes, still exist, but they now exist as DLC modules for Command Ops 2. Uh, so, like, if you want to play Conquest of the Aegean, you can't buy it anymore, but you can buy the module Conquest of the Aegean for uh, Command Ops 2 and load it up. I don't know how substantially different it is uh, with this. As I understand it, Command Ops 2 has a slightly more modern uh, engine as well. So I don't know how one for one it is. Uh, but at this point, that old series is gone and everything now lives uh, inside Command Ops 2 uh, as basically full price game modules. Yeah, you can. And it's worth pointing out to anyone listening who thinks this is interesting. It, you know, it's on Steam um, and it it has the unfortunate title free to play. Um, but you can download the the core module, the core base game, and play. There's three modules, a tutorial and two others. Um, and they can you can dive right into it and, and see if it's something you They're not you bad like. either. No, they're good. And, um, you know, one thing I, I, I would be remiss if I did not point out, the initial kind of tutorial, the Return to St. Vith, um, if you go on the, and I'll put a link to this, on the uh, lock and load uh, boards, there is what I have from what I've seen is one of the best AAR tutorial documents for any war game ever made in the history of Oh my God. Humanity. Now you tell me. Yeah, it is. It is brilliant. It is well thought out. It is gorgeous. Um, and it's, it's pages and pages and pages of the operational plan. You know, who are you sending? Why are you sending them? It's, it's brilliant. And you can, you can play along with that for free with the base model. And then each of the modules, like you said, I think is either 30 to 40 bucks. I think they've gone on sale, but not very often, like not in the last big steam sale. Um, no, but, uh, there was a, 
I can't even remember where I acquired this stuff. It was in a really random sale at some point last year. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, they're they're usually at what you consider a premium price, but not that far out of line for war games because it's a yeah, it's a niche market. Right. Um, and these modules are not DLC packs. These are big ass, like full size game uh, DLCs um, with a lot of research and work behind them. Absolutely. I picked up the uh, Market Garden and then the the Greece campaigns. Um, Greece, if I had to suggest make a suggestion, Greece seems like it has some pretty manageable sized um, packages. And I think I read somewhere that that's kind of recommended as maybe the first one to buy if you're going to jump into it, just because they seem to be pretty easy to get your hands around. It's a lot of small unit actions, right? Yeah. And there's like yeah. bigger scenarios, but it still tends to fight out as like discrete manageable engagements uh rather than uh some of the bold stuff which gets left me wishing for a higher zoom level uh frequently <laughs> yeah uh, actually that is that is a thing especially like i kind of wish there was a higher zoom level uh my monitor has resolution to spare to spare uh the highest zoom level is useless to me because uh, it made everything so small it was it was non-functional just let me get a little closer so that um Sometimes when those reinforcements are arriving on a map, I don't have to sort of give them a random move order to get them strung out so I can see. Um, it's it's nice to be able to. I mean, you can't you can do most of everything uh, through the order of battle interface as well, uh, but sometimes it's nice to see when you've got like a group of like three formations nested together. Uh, it'd be nice if you could prize them apart a little more visually. And I will say I, I have two monitors and this game works really well with that because you can bring up all of the windows uh, and just sort of tuck them over to the second monitor. Oh, that's, oh no. Yeah it's, yeah, it's great. I have every I pretty much have every optional window open all the time. And then they're just most of them are over on my second monitor while the select two or three that I really like are on the first monitor. Um, so that's pretty spectacular. So the one the. the... Module where I, I thought the map just didn't look as nice. Um, I thought a lot of Holland uh, in the Highway to the Reich module. Uh, a, looked just kind of ugly. Uh, I thought some of the, the map, inf like the way they, they sort of chose to illustrate some of the uh, terrain just didn't look uh, all that appealing. Uh, but also it was... Um, and maybe this is maybe this is more a function of just the nature of uh of the terrain of the Netherlands. Uh but man, did that thing feel like operational Pac-Man uh trying to maneuver <laughs> units uh around because huge parts of the the map are effectively dead ground uh to wheeled vehicles. Um you've got like uh yeah, there's there's a word for it, um, because like a lot of war games I think they use uh what whatever the local uh, word for the type of terrain is, uh, but like it's like flooded marshland or or, or farmland uh, that's sort of off these causeways uh, that you really can't put uh, tractor wheeled vehicles into, um, and so large swaths of the map uh, are effectively dead ground, um, and that means that a lot of the game ends up confined to these really narrow threads of viable terrain, um, which again, in part revisiting that issue of like, 
we don't have super granular zoom levels uh did start to make it a little bit tricky to command forces because i had to start really like waypointing the crap out of uh my my unit's movement or else i would watch them take some weird turns uh to you know try to get from one causeway to this bridge to that highway uh and it was a little frustrating yeah i could see that um and, and speaking of waypointing a minor thing is i would often start issuing orders and then think that i had clicked off a unit yes and then, oh my god and then just then i'd have to go back and clear out the accidental orders i just put in and i got used to that over time just like i got used to the i i wish there was some way you know you play this you play a paradox game you play something else you play dominions and it's right click the map to scroll it to pan the map it's middle click the map to pan the map yeah. i just for some reason i don't know why this game i kept clicking the wrong thing just to move the darn map around but that's that's me not them um i just wish it was more consistent from game to game so i think sometimes with uh a game like this i think there's a worry that it becomes almost um too dry too professorial it doesn't feel exciting the way we want our war games uh to feel um well it doesn't have the doesn't have the visceral fire of something like ultimate general gettysburg that's for sure Right, but I, but I am curious. Like, did you find this uh, like you know an exciting or tense or dramatic game uh, with within these constraints? I found it tense for sure. I mean, there were lots of moments where it it sucked me in more than I thought it would. I mean, like I, I've played them before. I've played No Conquest of the Gene and all that, but it had been a while before I since I since I played them. So going back to them on uh, Michael's recommendation, there are a lot of tense moments. Like, there's the, the just waiting for the plan to fall apart or getting surrounded. Or um, I wonder, I do have doubts whether I could sit through one of those, you know, 10 day scenarios. Yeah. Uh, those are really long and those, you know, have ask a kind of commitment that um, I'm not sure I'm quite ready for. Um, there's a lot going on there and the, I wonder if the tension can hold up. You can only be, you know, surprised so many times. Um, imagine it gets frustrating when things start falling apart, but there is a real, there's a visceral satisfaction, not visceral, there's a good deep satisfaction in seeing a plan work out and watching your teams come together at the right point, everything planned out, and that's a really special feeling. And I think the, the fact that the game isn't... I mean, it's not complicated to play. I mean, the orders, once you understand how to move units and how to use your, understand how the command box works, it's, it's intimidating to look at, but it's actually really, really easy to learn. But trying to get things to work the way you want them to is challenging because there are so many moving parts and you don't always know what's going on. So seeing a plan work out, a complicated bridge crossing, or you have one airstrike and where do you use it? And you use it in the right place and you take out the anti-tank gun and slowing down your movement. All of this stuff does work out to have a deep connection, I found, between me and the map. I wonder if that connection would last for the longer scenarios, but certainly over the modest size scenarios, I was deeply, deeply invested in what was going on. And I think something I would stress is that this is a game that looks intimidating. And certainly some of the things we talked about, like with uh, 
you know, things we've we've botched over the course of this game or things we've seen but haven't really been able to understand why they were happening. Um, it it might seem like this is a particularly daunting game, but something I will say to its credit uh, is that it is surprisingly easy to just get into this game and start mucking around. Um, like, just sort of like poking at the interface, you will eventually uncover a lot of things. And then with a quick trip to the manual, uh, you'll understand better how to employ it all. But like, uh, if you just want to sort of push formations around on a map, uh, like, you know, you're, you're playing on one of those giant sand tables, uh, you can, you can treat this game that way. Uh, but it does sort of keep unveiling these like new depths uh, as you play. There's there's a lot of things that I haven't really um, sort of figured out yet too. Like uh, there's a section in the manual where they're talking about uh, sort of the right way to execute a complex attack, uh, which is where multiple uh, headquarters are involved and uh, you, you can sort of change how these larger order battle groups sort of move in formation. Uh, there's a lot of things you can push there. I'm not, I'm not convinced I've really done that uh, effectively. Uh, I've, I've definitely poked at a lot of those menus and systems, but um, you know, have I actually like staged a, an effective, like perfectly coordinated attack uh, across like multiple divisions? Well, eventually everyone was moving at the same time in roughly the right direction, but like I'm not <laughs> sure it was it was ever done in the textbook way that the manual sort of hints it can be done. Uh, and that didn't really hurt my enjoyment, but it does make me want to get back in there and try some scenarios again uh, to see if there's a there's a cleaner way to do it. Uh, in in some ways, this this is a bit like um, you know, Operational Art of War or um, War in the East meets. Uh, frozen synapse except frozen synapse has a phd in military in military history <laughs> and and the manual is pretty good i mean if you like manuals it's 200 some odd pages um the the first 100 pages are basically just if you click this button this window will come up if you click that button another window will come up yeah, and it's not until like halfway through that they start telling you the information you really want to know um no and there wasn't i did not find um like I would have appreciated a better tutorial walkthrough. Um, really, there isn't one, as far as I can tell. Except for um, that awesome AAR you didn't know about. Yeah, right. <laughs> but like, basically, it's like, yeah, there's a tutorial in the game. You can play around with it. And really, what they mean is there's a small manageable scenario uh, that you can play that will let you see all this stuff uh, and won't scare the shit out of you like the first time Market Garden loads in. Right. No, this is this is the type of game where the the tutorial is basically just says uh please refer to manual and read it. Yeah. Um but the other thing is uh again, I just I can't stress this enough. It is so cool to play a war game that doesn't have the stuff like um like the front line is a completely nebulous concept, right? Like it's not really marked on the map. It doesn't exist. Oh, yeah, like yeah, there's absolutely. what you can observe and what you can hold. And the rest really is terra incognita, right? Like you just, you just don't know. And I think if you're, if you're so used to playing traditional war games where like war is imagined as sort of this highly linear, uh, okay, on this side of the line is friendly ground on this side of the line is enemy ground. Uh, and to play a game where like, 
you really need to be thinking not just about the objective you're trying to take, but also like, is this a moment where you need to halt the advance and start fanning out to hold the road open? Uh, and reinforcements will come and let you renew your advance. But at this moment, uh, even if you've got the enemy on the run, you actually really need to start controlling uh, your lines of communication. And that means that like, you know, you end up fighting the battle of some random forest or the battle of some random hill. And that is such a cool and new and different thing uh, in, in a war game for me uh, that I just, I just love it. Yeah, absolutely. And the, the last thing I'll say is just when you start a scenario, definitely check your uh, reinforcement schedule. I spent a lot of time in one of the Holland scenarios um, setting up my orders for all of my, my troops and, and getting a, a very good plan and unpausing the game. And then, bloop, reinforcements arrived. It's like, oh, well, that's odd that they do that right at the beginning of the scenario. Okay, well, let me uh, spend some time, readjust, and then I unpause. Bloop. And then there's like a whole bunch of other guys that just showed up. And I think maybe four times they just kept showering me with more paratroopers. And I said, well, why weren't you all just here at the beginning when I was making my plan? Like, what does it serve to have them all show up now? So always check your reinforcement schedule because they'll tell you who's coming within a certain window. Um, But yeah, I just found that part to be a little. Yeah. But overall, I'm pretty positive on the game. It sounds like you guys are for the most part. Yeah, I mean, I wish the interface was better. I wish there was more information on the map, easily accessible, instead of all of those bars of buttons at the bottom. Uh, but I'm quite keen on it. Um, it's it takes really nice screenshots. Yeah. And if you want to, it takes really good looking pictures of a war game, um, which is nice. It is a game where you can very easily take a screenshot and be like. And now let me show you my battle plan, my friends. Uh, which is maybe why you get glo- things like that glorious AAR uh, that apparently I need to read. Um, I would yeah. put a link to it up right now. You guys can check it out. Make, just do me a favor. Download it. Just scroll through it and appreciate it. Just, Download just bask it. It's it. Not just, it doesn't just live on a web page. No, it's 90 megs. You have to go to the... Oh, uh, my God, Michael. Jesus Christ. It's a 90 <laughs> meg AAR? Yeah. Well, it's a big PDF. Okay. Just, just do it. Just read it. I already put it up. You can see it now. Oh my! Oh my God! Wait! Wow! Yeah. Okay, this map art is something. Yeah. All right. All right. I'll download. All right. <laughs> anyway, uh... don't download it now. It'll mess up with Skype. Oh, I'm sure it'll be fine. Yeah. Sure Skype is be... famed for its durability and stability. And stability. Uh, nothing ever goes wrong. Uh, Michael, if we lose the podcast because of this, that's on you. That's fine. I'll uh, fix it that, in post. That will be you. Uh, but anyway, so that is uh, Command Ops 2, uh, which is free-ish. Uh, definitely, you can, you can just download it and start mucking around with the, uh, the, the opening scenarios. And then if you like it, uh, maybe try Conquest of the Aegean and uh, get your feet wet. But uh, this has been a series I've long wanted to uh, take a look at, and I'm so glad I did. Uh, and I'm Please how intelligible it was. Yeah. All right. That will do it for this week. We'll be back next week with more strategy discussion. Three Moves Ahead is produced, as always, by this guy Me. right here. This one. And it's hosted on the Adult Thumbs Network. You can learn more about the show and discuss this episode with our community at 3movesahead.net or follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash 3MA. Finally, 3 Moves Ahead is supported by listeners just like you on Patreon. You can learn more at patreon.com slash 3MA. 
Anyway, we'll be back next week with another episode of Three Moves Ahead. Until then, for Troy and Michael, this is Rob Zachney saying goodnight.